Um, oh, you've got your mic. You got it. Check. Very good, very good. Well, what an honor to be here. Um, I hope that uh, my accent won't uh, get in the way of this morning a little bit. Uh, uh, I tell everyone I don't really speak English. I don't even speak American. I really speak Southernese. So I, I may say the word Phil, and I could be saying the word F-E-E-L or F-I-L-L or P-H-I-L. I know what I said. You just need to keep up. So... It's just the way it is. Uh, I am an American, and what an honor. What an honor it is to sit here. And I'm just so blessed this morning, and I love, I love the church, especially the local church. And I'll tell you why. Because nowhere else in the world could we experience what we are experiencing this morning, except in the church of Jesus Christ. Look at all the nations that are represented in this place. That if it had not been for Jesus being central in our lives, someone, somebody, some idea would separate us and keep us from being one people. And you guys are so radical about this that you even invite an American to come and preach to you. You guys are crazy. You're just crazy. That's why I love being here. I love it. I, uh, I'm... Born and raised in uh, the south of the United States in uh, the top part of Florida, right below Alabama and Georgia. I would have been raised on a 3,000-acre farm. Uh, We would have raised peanuts and watermelons. We would have had 500 head of hog and 250 head of cattle. So my life as a young man was pretty busy. Amen? I would like to tell you that we didn't have time to get in trouble, but we did. Because trouble was fun. The sad thing about my life is that I wasn't raised in church. Didn't know God. I didn't get saved until I was 20 years old. I was raised by a man who taught us how to live off of the land. And so hunting was not something we did for sport. Hunting was something we did because we needed to eat. Hello, somebody. Listen, y'all ain't going to scare me. I'm an audience participation preacher. I, I used to, listen, I used to catch alligators just for the fun of it. You don't have to be so British today and be polite. There's an American in the house. Relax! We hunted. I was raised to climb a tree. And whatever walked under it, we killed it and we ate it. That was my life. My dad had a rule. He said, I don't mind if you hunt. I don't mind if you go and kill things. But whatever you kill, you have to eat. And so we started letting possums live. <laughs> After we ate our first one, let them live. It was my dad's rule. We were wild. We were free. We were, we were just that way. It was the way we were raised. If we had to get a stump out of a field, we couldn't be bothered with digging it up with a shovel. We made a bomb and we blew it out of the ground. The bigger the stump, the more exciting it was because the bigger the bang. And the truth of the matter is this morning, I should not be here speaking to you. But if it had not been for grace and the sovereign hand of God over my life, all those years until I accepted Him as my Lord and Savior, until I came to know Him and the reality of who He is, I should really be dead or in prison. It's the truth of the matter. It was my life. Don't hold it against me. 
Aren't you glad I got saved? Somebody say yes. What has Raj and the eldership team done? My wife is from Thailand. And um, she's a little Thai lady. How many of you like Thai food? Oh my. Right? So we lead a church in Michigan. God called us to leave Florida. God called me to leave the sunny, white sand beaches of Florida to go to the cold, white snow of Michigan. I mean, does Jesus ever mess with you? Come on, does Jesus ever mess with you? I mean, just like on purpose sometimes I think the Lord messes with me. Like, Lord, are you bored today? Do you have to mess with me? You've got to go to Michigan. There are no alligators up there. There are no wild hogs up there. They don't grow peanuts and watermelons up there. I've got to go to Michigan. And to put it off on all of that, then God calls us to plant and build a church in the middle, in the middle of a Mennonite and Amish community. Hello, somebody. (laughs) This is not good. This is not good. This is going to be a mess. Because when I got saved, I, I went into a very southern Pentecostal church. Hello, church. Like somebody was going to do the glory run, whether the glory run needed doing or not. And then God sends this no church background, discipled Pentecostal boy from the south to the north to build a church in a very Mennonite and Amish community. We're having so much fun. Because see, not only does the Lord mess with me, But God lets me mess with people for his glory and his honor. God likes to stir us up. See, God has has imagined, God has sent us to teach people that Christianity has got to be something more than just managing my sin. Come on, church. Religion teaches us that that it's a way of managing our sin, managing our brokenness, dealing with what, or learning to live with our issues and our problems. But Jesus shows up on the scene and says, I'm not here to teach you how to manage your sin. I'm not here to teach you how to deal with your brokenness. Jesus says, I'm here to fix it. I'm here to set you straight. I'm here to deliver you and give you life and life more abundant. People tell me all the time, well, Don, you know, you should wait till you get to heaven to get excited. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? When I got saved, I didn't stop blowing stuff up. I didn't stop climbing trees. I just turned all of that towards the kingdom of darkness. Glory to God. Y'all ain't with me this morning. Y'all don't want me to preach, but I brought my hanky. I'm going to preach anyway. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. I want to talk to you for a little bit. Is that all right? We just have a little fun in church? It's okay. Remember, this is heaven practice. That's what church is. Church is heaven practice. Right? Come on. What are we going to do when we get there? 
Some of y'all interested in streets of gold and mansions fair. Listen, I want to hear the preacher preach. Are you with me? Listen, I can't wait till Jesus steps out with that long, lean Galilean leg and begins to preach. I'm going to have my hanky and I'm going to tell him, go for it, man. Come on. This is heaven practice. I told my brother this morning when he came over and introduced himself to worship, I said, no wimpy worship, man. We don't do wimpy worship. This is heaven practice. Let me talk to you about a very familiar passage of Scripture, but I want to challenge you with it this morning. You know, Jesus is going to mess with us a little bit. Is that all right? I said Jesus is going to mess with us a little bit. Come on, you can relax. There's an American in the house today. Raj already told me you're going to get an American flag after I leave. I'm like, glory. I could have brought you one. I love this. I love this because it's so representative of the kingdom of God. Verse 7. I titled this particular message, The Window Seat. Say it with me. The Window Seat. Oh, y'all are getting there. I'll get you before the day's over. Verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. Glory to God. This guy's preaching, man. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered, and the young man named Eutychus, sitting in the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms and said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is still in him. And when Paul had gone up, he had broken bread and eaten He conversed with them a long time until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. Will you pray with me? Father, will you bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart? God, would you let our lives be open like a plowed field, God, that you plant seed in. And God, let that seed be the word that comes forth and produces fruit in our lives. Lord, let not one person, not one of us today leave this place the same as we came. But let us leave change for your glory and for your honor. And so, Lord, we posture our heart before you with anticipation. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said? Now I'm a positive person, right? I love, to, I love to make people laugh. I love to spread the joy of the Lord. I love to just share those type of things. And, and, and I love to lift people up and encourage them and help them to possess all of the promises that God has promised to give us. It's my joy in life. As a 20-year-old man, I discovered the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's promises and everything that God was doing and all of those things. And and there were people around me who helped me and encouraged me to possess all of those promises. But along the way, along the way, sometimes at some points in my life, I had to I had to I had to make those spots where I could learn to be adjusted, to make the adjustments and in, 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 in the areas that I was missing the promises of God. And I'm so grateful for those men, those women, all of those godly people who helped me make those adjustments, who helped me make those corrections in my life so that I wouldn't miss the promises of God. 
I feel like today the word that the Lord Jesus has given me, as I prayed over this for weeks before we came, is critical for somebody. Because what you do with this word that God is giving us today is going to be an open door for a blessing to you. And it could be a closed door for the enemy's opportunity to come in your life. It's God who wants to speak to us. How many believe that? Let me talk to you about this window seat. Here's this young man who is gathered in a room. And Paul is preaching. Now, how many of you like to be in the room when this guy is preaching? Come on, church. And I know he was a preacher because the Bible says that uh, he preached for a long time. Right, we like the Bible teachers. They get to come in and do their little teaching and they're out of the way. You know, preachers just keep going on and on and on. And, right? Paul is that kind of guy, man. He's, he's just preaching up a storm. And, and he knows he's got to leave tomorrow. So he's got a lot he wants to share with them. He's like, I'm leaving in the morning. And so I've got to continue to share what God is doing. But the truth of the matter, if we, if we look at a window in any room... And I've titled this The Window Seat. There's really no, there's no such place. There's no, from a natural perspective, it doesn't look like a real term. Why? Because windows aren't made for setting in. Come on, church. Is that right? They're not made for setting in. Look at all you people. Ain't nobody sitting in the window. That's not the first thing you did when you walked in this room. You know what you did? Look for a chair. This Chris over here informed me right away. This is my chair. You know why I like that? Hey, you know why I like that? Don't get upset about it. She wants to be here. Hello, somebody. Some folk could care less. She wants to be here. She wants to be up front. She wants to be close where the preacher can not only, she can only hear the preacher, but if the preacher gets excited, amen, she might get spit on. <laughs> Glory to God. I love it. I love it when people take possession of the church. You know why? Because then we take care of what we own. Yeah. See, I take care of what's mine. There's nothing wrong with calling this my church. It's the Lord's church, amen. But it belongs to me too. I take care of it. I'm committed to it. I love it. Oh, somebody. See, when we look at the window, when we look at the window, it's really not made for sitting in. And if you try to sit in it, it's a very uncomfortable place. We should have Sarush go back there and sit in the window. Just so we can all look and see, watch him, how uncomfortable he is. How many of you want to see that happen, right? Why, church? Let me ask you this. Why do we make our lives so uncomfortable by being in places we shouldn't be? There's one. Oh, man. Somebody's with me. Why do we do that? Why? Why do we make our lives so uncomfortable by trying to put ourselves in positions we don't belong, in places that weren't meant for us to be there, in areas that aren't aren't designed for living our lives the way Christ has called us to live? Why do we do that? And, And then we complain about how uncomfortable we are. We complain about how things are not like they should be. 
See, a window is a place through which light and fresh air comes in and out. See, in a spiritual sense, there are, there are many people in churches today who are like this young man and they're sitting in some very dangerous places. Now, I can read this story, and I don't know if you read your Bible like I read my Bible. I kind of read my Bible a little radical. As if it was really written to me. I could assume reading this story for any number of reasons of why Eutychus would find himself in that place. Maybe he was excited to come to church, but maybe he was running a little late because of work or or some other engagements or something got held up. Maybe he had a flat tire on his car. You'll get there. (laughs) And he got to church late. And maybe there were no more seats available. Maybe the church, glory to God, maybe the church was so packed he couldn't find a seat. Come on, we'd be happy about that, right? One Sunday morning here recently, the ushers came to me and they said, Hey, Pastor Don, all the seats are full. What do you want us to do? Find some more. (laughs) What if that was the case? What if Eutychus shows up to church, Paul is preaching, everybody's excited to be there, and glory to God, he gets there and walks in the room and goes, Wow, this place is full. I'll just sit in the window. Maybe that's the reason, right? Maybe it was hot and stuffy inside of that room. Maybe there were so many people packed inside of that room and and maybe somebody's deodorant wasn't working very well that morning. Maybe he just decided, I'll sit in the window because fresh air is coming in. See, I told you to read your Bible like I do. I was out with a bunch of buddies one night before I got saved and somebody spoke up and said, man, somebody's deodorant's not working very well. And one of the guys in the back said, well, it can't be mine. I don't have any on. (laughs) Get out. Get out. That's a true story. Maybe it's hot and stuffy. Maybe he's just got to get some fresh air. Maybe he decides to sit in that place. See, but I come closer to believing this. I come closer to really accepting this aspect. Maybe he had become so disinterested in what was happening inside that he lost his desire for God. Maybe it was just there because it was a sense of duty. I've just got to be here. Why? Paul's here. Well, everybody needs to show up because I'm going to have to answer some questions. If I, if I didn't show up and Paul is teaching, everybody would why weren't you there? What kind of excuse am I going to give? So maybe I'm just here. I've come closer to just being that. I'm not really interested in what's going on inside. It's just my duty to be here. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be on church. That's what Christians do. We come to church on Sunday. And then Sunday morning becomes not a a live meeting or a living meeting, but Sunday morning becomes something that we do just to survive. It becomes survival mode. Hello, church. Come on. We just survived church today. We just survived church today. We barely made it. He's disinterested in what's going on inside 
room. The Word of God is no longer exciting to him. I'm surprised at the amount of Christians that I meet around the world. I spend a lot of time in South American countries, Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Colombia, Barranquilla, all those places. But I'm surprised everywhere I go around the world and preach the gospel, how many people are really not excited about this good book. I didn't have the privilege growing up. The night I got saved, if you had asked me to find John 3.16, I would have had no idea. I couldn't have done it. It wasn't that my family was a bad family. It's just that we were heathens and good ones. It's just not what we did. We couldn't be bothered with it. There was something to blow up. Something, y'all forgive my Americanism, but you're glad for God's grace. Like there's so much in my life that I can just look back on and say, well, let's just write God's grace on that and not look back, right? Everybody in here has got a story. Glory to his grace. He's not interested in the word of God anymore. Well, church, it's not exciting to him, and he slipped further and further away from the presence of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Let me tell you something about the window. It's a place where you can be inside and still see what's going on outside. Oh, that's so good. It's a place where you can be inside still see what's going on outside. Think about this for a moment. Is this all right, church? You don't mind if I call you church, do you? See, in this context, the window represents drawing back. What does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. I can preach with or without you. I'm just going to be honest with you, man. God put a word in my heart when I was a young man, and, and I wanted to preach so bad, and we were just preaching, and, and I wasn't getting a lot of opportunities to preach. God had called me to preach and those type of things. I'd be standing in front of the mirror preaching, man. My wife would come in going, what are you doing? Preaching. I need the word, and I need to preach this thing. It's drawing back. The window, kind of in this context, represents an idea of drawing back. What does that mean? See, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39 says, But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. See, in the context of this, the definition really of drawing back means means to do this. It means to shrink back, to shun away, to keep back, or to render useless. There is today, in the world that we live in, especially in the attitude of non-committed Christianity, an obvious drawing back. Come on, church. It's that spirit that encourages us to want all the blessings of God, all the healings of God, all the miracles of God, all of the glory of God, all the prosperity of God, but without any commitment. 
See, Jubilee is placed in this place for a reason. Can you say amen? This church is in this community for a reason. Can you say amen? Like God is here doing a work in you and through you. Do you understand? Have you ever read the book of Nehemiah? Raise your hand. How many days did it take him to build the wall? Fifty-two. But how many days, how many years does the book of Nehemiah, 13 chapters, capture? Over ten. But yet we celebrate about the wall. It's just 52 days. It's a small little part of really what Nehemiah was doing. See, Nehemiah couldn't even understand himself what God was doing with him. He looked at Jerusalem and it's surrounded on all four sides. Y'all ain't helping me. This is going to be good. It's surrounded by pagans. And as they looked at Jerusalem, they were supposed to see God in all His glory. And they didn't. The Bible says what they saw was a reproach. A disgusting thing. And Nehemiah was burdened about the reproach. And he went to Jerusalem. And his job was not to rebuild the walls. His job was to restore the glory of God back to Jerusalem. I'm going to ask Jubilee something right now. If the church is set in the middle of this city, surrounded by lost people who don't know Jesus Christ, amen, church, and they look at Jubilee, do they see God in all His glory? That's our job. To show the world the glory of God. You see, Nehemiah could not understand, even in his own mind, that the roads he was rebuilding and the city he was rebuilding and all the commerce and everything he was putting in order to restore the city, he was literally preparing those streets for Jesus Christ would walk down those same streets that he was rebuilding. You see, you don't know it, Jubilee. You've got to understand that the work you're doing in this area, you are literally preparing the streets of this city for Jesus Christ to walk, glory to God, to walk down and reveal Himself to a lost and dying world. This is who you are. You can't be sitting in the window seat. You can't be inside and interested on what's going on outside. It's so important to where we are. We can't draw back because the moment we draw back, we will be rendered useless to preparing these streets for the Lord Jesus Christ to walk down and reveal Himself to a lost and dying world. Jubilee can't draw back because you'll be rendered useless. You've got to go forward. You've got to keep pushing. You've got to find your friends, your relatives, your acquaintances, and your neighbors who don't know Jesus. And you've got to drag them to this place so they can meet Him in His glory and for His honor. Somebody can get excited about that. You can't stop. You can't draw back. See, here's the issue. Man, if it's a blessing line, if the elders get up here and say, man, we're going to be here all day and we're going to pray blessing, people line up for miles. Hello, somebody. We're going to be praying for healing, man. People line up for miles. Right? We're going to pray for deliverance. Right? We're going to be praying for miracles. We're going to do it. People will line up for miles. They'll stay all day in order to do that. But if the elders stand up here and say, Today, we're going to create a line and we're going to be calling for commitment. It amazes me how all of a sudden people's bladders start acting up. I got to go to the bathroom. I got to make a phone call. Oh, I had a meeting I forgot about. Am I all right, Sarush? Yeah? 
Can't draw back. Can't draw back. I said you can't draw back. We live in the last days. We can't be rendered useless. The church of Jesus Christ is here to make Him alive and real in the world that we live in. We can't draw back. See, this spiritual condition is what we call the window seat. This rendering useless. It's from this seat we seem to have such a good view. People in this seat can see all the problems in the church. Man, I'm preaching today. Y'all, y'all get it. It, it. People in this seat can hear every sour note the worship team plays. Surely. People in this seat can see all the things that should be done. They ain't going to help do them. I had this one lady who came up every Sunday after church. I know she loved the Lord. But she would come up after church and she would just begin to share all the things that she would see was wrong. And finally one day I just said, you know what? Thank you for sharing your heart. But next time you come and share what's wrong, you also need to have a plan on how you plan on helping fix it. She stopped doing that. She doesn't, she doesn't do that anymore. People in this seat know all the right songs the worship team should be singing. They, people in this seat know when the preacher preaches a dud. When the sermon, oh, the sermon was not good today. No. They can see all the weakness and faults of everybody else. It's amazing the view you have from this seat. See, from the window seat, things that you left outside when you came to Jesus, you can still see them. The things that God delivered you from, they all of a sudden come back into view. Oh, come on, church. From the window seat, you can look out and see all those things that the Lord delivered you from. And you begin to look at them again. Things that you shut the door of your life to. Things that you left outside on purpose. Things that you knew were destroying your life. Things you knew were hurting your body. Things you knew were causing division in your family. All of a sudden, in the window seat, they're all visible again. And from that window, they become attractive once more. I'm preaching to somebody today. See, I just want you to know that this seat, this place of sitting is a very dangerous, dangerous place. See, but like Eutychus, there's so many people who are deceived in believing that they can look at those things and it won't affect them anymore. Come on. They believe they can think about them as long as they don't do it. I don't know if it happens here in, in the UK and England, but we have a phrase uh, when I start working with people in, in, in America that, that really don't want to let go of things. And they say, well, you know, as, as long as I look but don't touch, it'll be all right. You have that phrase here? Yeah. I'm just going to be honest with you. Can I be honest with you this morning? I'm just going to be real. All my looking always led to touching. <laughs> Hello, somebody. My wife's like, hey, you want to go window shopping? Absolutely not. I am a hunter. We don't go shopping. Right? We hungry. We go shoot something. We bring it home and we eat it. We don't window shop. 
That's, I don't. My wife's like, oh, let's just go windows. I don't do. Uh, why? Because all my looking leads to touching. Just take your, I tell you, here's what you do. You want to believe it isn't true? Take your kids into an expensive china shop and tell them, don't touch nothing. <laughs> You're going to be broke when you leave. And you ain't going to have no china. Start flirting with thoughts and how much fun it used to be. And just one more time, just one more area. Listen, or just one more call to that old friend. Or, or, or just, you know, one more go around here or go around there. Of course, of course you think, well, I'd never do that. I'm just looking. I'm just thinking. See, window, window means opportunity. Well, there's a window of opportunity. That means it's open, right? There's a window of opportunity. Hello, somebody. Don't you think the enemy won't open windows of opportunity for you? See, we're so busy praying God opens windows of opportunity. We forget sometimes that the devil don't mind obliging. Look outside. Woo! Look at that. You forgot about that, didn't you? I did. I forgot all about that. Yeah, it really wasn't that bad. That Jesus guy, he's just messing with you. Not that bad. Look at it. Come on, church. A window of time, a window of opportunity. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. You know how I read that in my Bible? Neither give place, window, neither give opportunity to the devil. Mm. Can I just bless you this morning? Eutychus never intended to fall. When he sat down in his window, he didn't intend to fall. Absolutely not. If he, it wouldn't have sat there. It's three stories high. Who in their right mind would do that? I think I'll just go over here and take a nap and fall out the window. We'll see if Paul's a good man of God. Let's just test the man of God's faith. He didn't intend to do that. We never intend. We never do. I don't doubt that God's people have the best of intentions. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? You know what I've learned in my walk with the Lord Jesus over the last 22 years? You've got to nurture, protect You've got to cultivate your salvation. Sure you do. I didn't say you had to earn it. Please hear me with your good ears. I said you've got to nurture it. People tell me all the time, Don, I'm getting so excited. We've got plenty of time to get excited when we get to heaven. Are you kidding me? You know when eternity started for me? The day I got saved. I said, the day I got saved, in September of 1992, underneath an old gospel tent by a preacher who was preaching hellfire and brimstone. He didn't preach grace. He didn't preach mercy. He preached get right or get left. When he preached, you could feel the flames of hell and smell the sulfur. Like the only way I can describe him is if you ever meet John the Baptist, he would be John the Baptist's twin brother. Six foot five, big burly beard, just a strapping big man with a big voice. And I mean, literally, I don't, he, he scared the devil right out of me. 
I learned that salvation has got to be something more than just fire insurance. I've got to cultivate. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundant. Don't dare. Don't you dare tell me I've got to wait till you get to heaven to enjoy the life that Jesus died to give me right now. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can go take that stuff to somebody else. I started a party with a bunch of angels in September of 1992. And glory to God, we've been partying ever since. We have. You've got to cultivate it. Just like when a baby is born and dependent upon its mother and its father for its very life. See, the life of Jesus Christ is just like that inside of us. We've got to cultivate it. We've got to love it. I didn't say you had to earn it. I said we've got to learn to love living for Jesus. This guy's name, Eutychus, say it with me, Eutychus. I like the way you say that, Eutychus. they got all these syllables and pronounce each one. I don't do that. I don't have to. I can't be bothered with that. (laughs) Americans are funny people. Y'all probably know that, right? It's okay. I was raised in the South. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Y'all a lot much prettier and a lot less threatening than any alligator I ever met. You all right? (laughs) Americans are the only people that can say, excuse me, what did you say? And turn it into, huh? Huh? (laughs) Huh? us, man. We can't be bothered with all that syllable stuff. Eutychus, his name means fortunate. <laughs> it does. I'm, I promise you, it does. It means well. It means good. Doesn't seem like he was very fortunate, does it? Oops. Just like Eutychus. We've been called by God's very word, fortunate and favored by the Lord. That's me and you, man. That's me and you. I don't care where I go, I'm a fortunate man. God has been good to me. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Glory to God. But if I, don't, if I don't learn to love the life of the Lord Jesus inside of me, he fell from three stories up. Is that right? You know what that tells me? That means even the most spiritual of us have to be watchful. Maybe you don't read your Bible like I do. Why did he fall to his death? Well, I'm glad you asked. These are, these are very observant people. He lost his passion for the things of God. Can I beg you, Jubilee, don't lose your passion for the things of God. Don't. Don't lose your passion. People drive by our church in an Amish and Mennonite community and and everybody would say, what kind of church is that? And they go, I don't know. But one thing I can tell you is they love Jesus. I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's like some Mennonites there. There's like some Amish there. There's like some charismatic people there. There's like some crazy American there. There's just, I mean, crazy southern boys. Just a, we don't know what that is. But there's a passion for the things of God. You may tell you why Eutychus fell out of the window. Because he was more out of it than he was in. It's just a matter of balance, folks. 
If he'd have fell asleep and his weight would have been more in the room than out of the room, guess where he would have fell? Inside the church. That's the best place to fall. Glory to God. But his weight was more out of the window than it was in the window. And so because of that, he fell. He fell three stories. See, church, and the Bible says that he fell at midnight. He fell at midnight from his window seat. All through the scripture, midnight is a very critical time. It was midnight when the death angel passed through Egypt and smote the firstborn. I'm preaching to you. It was midnight when the cry was made and woke up the sleeping virgins. It was midnight when Paul and Silas turned the corner and began to praise God in their pain in prison. And God shook that place. Amen. It was midnight, church. It's the halfway point. It's the decision point. Midnight is where we can either go this way or that way. It's speaks of decision time. Decision time. We know the seat wasn't comfortable. We know that there are thoughts of things of the world and they're painful. How many of you have been saved for a while? These thoughts, sometimes of your past, just kind of come back to your mind and haunt you. And you go, whoa, where'd that come from? You ever had that moment? Oh, where'd that come from? Like, Jesus delivered me from that. Where'd that image come from? See, the Bible says that you've got to take every thought captive and cast down every evil imagination that exalts itself above Christ. Those thoughts enter our mind. We can't dwell on them because what they do is they cause us to sit in the window. Dwelling on those things cause us to sit in the window. And sometimes we got to slide a little bit out of the window a little bit more in order to get a better view. And we, we just shift our weight a little bit more in order to get a better view because we couldn't really see it very well. So we start dwelling on those things and we shift ourselves. We shift ourselves and we shift ourselves. And suddenly, without any warning, we're falling. How did that happen? Come on. How many of you ever had to pray with someone who came to you and fell in something in their life and they're just broken and they say, I don't know how this happened? Have you ever? Maybe you were that person that had to go to somebody. I've been there. I don't know how this happened. It's because you were more out than you were in. It's a simple matter of balance. We find ourselves, the more we allow ourselves to think about it, the more, the more we get comfortable with looking at it again. And suddenly we're falling. We're falling back into those old ways of lust. We're falling back into those old associations. We're falling back into those old ways of talking. We're falling back into those desires that we used to have. Amen? That used to drag us down. We're falling back into those flirtatious ways. Or we're falling back into those habits that Jesus himself has delivered us from. And it all starts from where you're sitting. You are so important to this community. I can't express to you enough how important you are to this community. I'm going back to America tomorrow. Some of you are thinking, thank God. 
You're going to be here. You are so important. So you've got to make yourself as a church so important to this community that they can't exist without you. Come on, somebody. You've got to be the heartbeat of this place. Why? Because you're preparing the streets for Jesus to walk down them. You are important, Jubilee. You are important. You can't be sitting in the window. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are important. It's time to get out of the window. It's midnight in your life. I'm telling you something right now. It's decision time. If you're one of those Christians who are struggling with making a full-on commitment, it's decision time. It's time to stop getting sitting in the window. See, somebody today, you need to change your seat. Get up out of the window. Maybe somebody else today, maybe you're not sitting in the window, but you've been drifting towards it. Oh, man, it's got quiet now. That's why I know I'm preaching good, Raj. (laughs) This young man whose name means fortunate, come on, was indeed fortunate. In fact, twice. First, he was fortunate enough to be in the house when Paul was preaching. Second, he was fortunate because the Apostle Paul went down to the street where he was dead and raised him back to life. I'm closing here. Is this all right? I want to speak to you fortunate ones for just a moment. You who have known the goodness of God. For one reason or another, maybe you found yourself in the window seat. And now you're more out than you are in. It's time to change seats. Is that all right? It's time to change seats. Or maybe you've already fallen. And people around you just don't know it yet. Do you know there were people in that room that didn't know you because they'd fallen out the window? Sure there were. Sure. Maybe you've already given in to those old desires and you're just going through the motions. Somebody today, you're here and you've never known Jesus Christ. You've never had the joy of knowing your sins forgiven, washed as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. You know why I'm so excited about walking with Jesus? Because my sins weren't covered. They were washed away. All those things that should have killed me or put me in prison, they're all gone. And sometimes I remind God of them and God goes, what are you talking about? You know, there's something God can't do. If you don't know God this morning, I'll tell you, there's something He cannot do. He cannot remember forgiven sins. Somebody say glory. He chooses. The Bible says He cast him into the sea of forgetfulness. He chooses to forget. I was like, what are you talking about, Don? God said, 
Remember I told you that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature and old things have passed away. And behold, look, understand, and know that all things have become new. Glory to God. I'm a new man. Somebody today, you don't know that feeling. You don't know what that's like. And, and then, then you're also fortunate today because you're hearing the gospel for the first... You're, you're, you're hearing the good news and Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. And He will forgive you and your sins. And you'll come alive in your heart as just as you should because of who He is. You need to change your seat. Get out of the window. It doesn't matter to me which category you're in today. The good news is, Jesus loves you. I said the good news is, somebody's with me, Jesus loves you. He's going to pick you up as Paul picked up Eutychus. And he's going to put his life in you. And you will make an example of his love and mercy to the love of the world around you. Will you stand with me in this place today? I just want to take a moment. Can I say I love you? Is that all right? Because I want to be honest with you. This week, and this family of churches that God has so blessed me and allowed me to be a part of, City Church, right? Emmanuel, King Center, and Jubilee. I'm going to be honest with you. It's just like God took Firm Foundation Ministries where I'm at and put it in the UK. I feel so at home. Right? I feel so at home because it's so it's amazing. The family of God is just... Somebody asked me, they said, Hey, Pastor Don, what's it like? I said, it's just like home. Like, these people are radical. They love Jesus, man. If you're a believer this morning, and you've been sitting in the window seat, it's time to change seats. And I want you to respond. I'm not here to embarrass you. I want you to respond. There's some people who are going to pray for you. If you're not a believer this morning, and you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to change seats. I'm going to ask you to respond. You see, because I'm confident that when Eutychus went back upstairs after being raised from the dead... He didn't go back and sit in that window. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) We're not doing that again. Aren't you? The Bible doesn't tell me that, but I just... Maybe you don't read your Bible like I do. Because I remember when the Lord saved me, I didn't go back. See, from that fateful night in September of 1992, I've never looked back from that day to this. Because the goodness of God delivered me from being more out than in. Now here's what we're going to do. We've got a few minutes. And I want every head bowed and every eye closed. And I want to pray for you. And if you're one of those people that God has spoken to and you want to respond, I'm going to invite you as every head is bowed and every eye is closed to come forward. And let us pray. 
just maybe you just say, oh, Lord, I just want to come and change seats and let God do whatever He wants to do. Maybe you've been drifting towards the window and you say, no, 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 no I, don't, I don't want to drift anymore. I just want God to touch my heart and life. Maybe you don't know Jesus and you'll come forward and say, I want to accept Him today as my Lord and Savior. And I'm not going to sit in the window seat anymore. Father, I want to pray for this magnificent church, this church full of Your people. God, and I'm so glad, Lord, that nations' borders don't separate the kingdom of God. God, I'm so glad that language and nationalities don't set us apart. Father, I'm so glad that you come and you unite us for your glory and your honor. And Lord, I pray for this church today that you would allow your anointing to flow on them and in them, God, in such a powerful way that, God, they understand how important they are to what you're doing in this community. God, they're preparing the streets for Jesus to walk down them. Use them for your glory and your honor. Use them for your glory and your honor. Now, every believer praying, listen, don't, don't let today go by. Don't let today go by. This is a moment. It's midnight. It's midnight. It's decision time. Come on. You've got to step up. You've got to make a decision. Do you know everybody who knew Eutychus from that day forward saw the midnight moment for him? And I bet it changed their lives. Today, this day, people can see the midnight moment for you. And I know it will change their lives. Come on, respond. Just step out where you're at. Hallelujah. 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 Just respond. Hallelujah. Don't let the enemy keep you in the seat. Come on, come do some business with God. 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 Just step out where you're at. Let Jesus be Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we've got some leaders who pray with people, come on, I'd like to invite you up as leaders. Come on, let's pray with these people. Come on. Just pray with people. Can you just posture your heart and worship for a few moments? Just posture your heart and worship before the Lord. Just posture your heart and worship and let's celebrate the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's gather around as a church and let's love these people who are making a decision. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, let's pray. What can I pray with you about, Lord? Hallelujah.